A cardinal is a bishop of the Catholic Church with special authority from the Pope. Cardinals were, from a very early period, assistants of the Pope in his liturgical functions in the care of the poor, the administration of papal finances and possessions, and the synodal disposition of important matters. Cardinals are especially important because they select the next Pope from their ranks after a Pope dies. Welcome to the Shalom Kaysen Show. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Everywhere else, please like, share, and subscribe. You can also support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. And if you have questions or comments, please leave me a voicemail. All links are in the description below. Now let's begin, as always, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now let's talk more about cardinals. They took on a very much greater importance after the decree of Nicholas II, which was in 1059, regulating papal elections. In accordance with the document in Nomine Domini, the election of the Pope and the government of the church during the vacancy of the Apostolic See fell more and more into the hands of the cardinals. The governing of the church between popes passed to them exclusively after the decree of Alexander III, Lisset di Vitanda, at the Third Lateran Council, which was around 1179. The increasing insignificance of the regionary and palatine clergy from the middle of the 12th century, coupled with the disappearance of the Judices Palatini, tended to enlarge the share of the cardinals in the administration of papal justice and finances, also of the fiefs of the Holy See and of the states of the church. So I will explain this in one of my church history episodes, but back in the day, the Vatican actually owned large parts of Italy and parts of other countries as well. And the Pope was not only the ruler of the church, the entire church. He was also literally a king over these other states, which it was called the papal states. And priests and bishops used to take care of a lot of these matters. But once we get to the uh, 1100s and the like after the year 1000, we have cardinals gaining more and more and more importance in these matters. And instead of having priests or, or monsignors or bishops in charge of these things, we start having just cardinals only. Moving on, we may add to this that after the cessation of papal journeys to the different nations of Christendom and of the Roman synods under papal presidency, the cardinals remained almost the only counselors and legates of the popes. Henceforth, their functions were equivalent to those of the permanent synod and the Cincelli at Constantinople. So basically, the Pope used to go around and talk to different rulers in different countries, but uh, basically during the Middle Ages, that kind of stopped. So it was up to cardinals to take up all those duties, and that's why they just started gaining more and more power. The place and the occasion of this manifold activity of the cardinals was the consistory, which is also known as the reunion of the cardinals and the pope. In it were regularly treated questions of faith and important disciplinary matters. For example, dogmatic decisions, canonizations, approbations of rules of new orders, affairs of the Inquisition and the universities, indulgences, modifications of the rules for papal elections, the convocation of general councils, also the nomination and mission of apostolic legates and vicars. So they talked about a lot of stuff when they had a consistory.
Moreover, in the consistory were treated all matters concerning dioceses and bishops, the so-called cause majoris par excellence, among them the creation, transfer, division, reunion, and suppression of dioceses, the nomination and confirmation of bishops, also their transfer, resignation, cessation, suspension, deposition, and, and degradation. Basically, the consistory, which is, you know, when all the cardinals came together with the pope, dealt with all these questions about how bishops should be treated, how dioceses should be opened or closed, and things like that. Moving on, it was in the consistory that were granted to monasteries the numerous privileges by which they were withdrawn from Episcopal and made subject to papal jurisdiction. So in the beginning, monasteries, which is where a group of monks lives and convents, which is where a group of nuns lives, were under the control of the local bishop. But it was kind of in the Middle Ages with different consist consistories where cardinals and the pope get together, where they decided that, you know, monasteries should have their own power and their own privileges, and it should only be up to the pope to decide what they can and can't do because um, they might be working in many different countries. So if you have different dioceses in control of these monasteries and convents, then they're going to have to have different rules in each country and things are going to get complicated. So the consistory, the cardinals and the pope together decided that many of these monasteries and convents should have their own rules that the consistory can approve of. Okay, there also took place frequently the confirmation of the abbots and abbesses elected in such exempt monasteries. So an abbot is the, the person in charge of a monastery and an abbess is the person in charge of a convent. Okay, before the consistory, moreover, were treated the important questions that arose concerning the properties of the Roman church, the papal feasts, the crusades, and such grave political matters as the settlement of disputed royal elections, the approbation of newly elected kings, and the deposition of princes. So the consistory actually ruled on many, many different matters, including who is actually the rightful king and why, or if a prince needs to be deposed. I mean, they, they talked about everything. So this was all the cardinals in the church and the pope together. That's called a consistory. And they pretty much made judgments on on absolutely everything in Christendom. And Christendom is just was all the kingdoms that practice Christianity and agree together on their beliefs. That was Christendom, which was a huge thing in the Middle Ages. And even up until about the uh, 15th, 16th century, really, the 15th or 16th century, when we have the split between the Protestants and the Catholics and Orthodox. So we're going to move on. In the meetings of the consistory, which in the Middle Ages were frequently held weekly, the cardinals also assisted the Pope in the disposition of an overwhelming mass of lawsuits, which is interesting because apparently many people were suing the church and there, there is something called canon law. In canon law are all the rules that bishops and priests and everybody has to go by. And apparently there are people who knew canon law and who <laughs> wanted to either sue the Pope or sue other cardinals or bishops and things like that. So the consistory actually had to make judgments on many of these lawsuits. I find that extremely interesting because I didn't know that before I was making this uh, episode. So finally, the cardinals were put in charge of several of the great offices of the church. The cardinals were also grand inquisitors, likewise the rectors in the states of the church. Others were sent abroad as cardinal legates, 
Others, again, acted as cardinal protectors of nations and religious orders. And a legate is just somebody who goes around and is in the place of the Pope. So a legate, for example, a cardinal legate to China would go to China and talk to uh, the authorities there in the place of the Pope. And they would have authority to make decisions or to take information back to the Pope. So that's what a legate is, if you didn't know. You can find out more about Cardinals at newadvent.org. There's just too much to cover here, so we're going to do a quick recap. A Cardinal is a bishop of the Catholic Church with special authority from the Pope. Cardinals were from a, a very early period assistants of the Pope in his liturgical functions, in the care of the poor, the administration of papal finances and possessions, and the synodal disposition of important matters. Cardinals are especially important because they select the next Pope from their ranks after a Pope dies. So let's talk a little bit about history lessons. History lessons help us to learn how to live better lives based on the vices and virtues of people in the past. What can we learn from cardinals? Well, let's look at the moral virtues. There are four of them. They are prudence, always moving towards virtue and away from vice, justice, giving others what they deserve, fortitude, staying faithful during difficulties, and temperance, keeping balance in all areas of life. I would say that the College of Cardinals is the practice of temperance. The church is a humongous organization. It is the biggest and longest running organization in human history. That, of course, is only by the grace of God. However, God made sure to keep balance in the church by giving each church and diocese their own leaders, pastors, and bishops. Then he put cardinals in charge of those clergymen. And finally, he put the pope in charge of them all. Yes, God's word and revelation are the final say-so in all matters. However, we still need the day-to-day -day operations of human life ironed out, and you simply can't do that without some form of hierarchy. So we must also have temperance in our lives. Too much freedom is chaos. Too much power or order is stifling. God gave us the church to lead us into greater holiness, but he didn't make it so they could control our entire lives. At the end of the day, you have to decide with the guidance of the church and God's word how to live your life. This has been the Shalom Kaysen Show. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple. Everywhere else, please like, share, and subscribe. You can also support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. And if you have questions or comments, please leave me a voicemail. All the links are in the description below. Until next time, stay holy, my friends. And we're going to close out, as always, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.